G'day everybody, and for those who are coming late, you're listening to X-Ban, the Phantom Podcast. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds you. We are the X-Band the Phantom podcast from Chronicle Chamber. Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via our email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via our YouTube, or iTunes or Android apps. This is episode 172, titled Our Top 10 Villains. My name is Jermaine, and today I am joined by Dan. How are you, Dan? Very good, Jermaine. Very good. Good to be back on the pod. I've, um, I've missed being on for a while. It seems, feels yeah. like a long time. Yeah, it has. It's, um, and again, another shout out to Matt Kine with his um, reviews. It's, it's helped us. 2020 has been a crazy year for everyone. Um, and so it's, it's been nice to be able to have some help just ensuring we've got some regular podcasts as well. So, um, yeah, so again, a huge shout out and, uh, good yeah. to have you back on board, Dan. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It is good to get the our help on the, uh, the podcast and the, and the website, which is, um, why we're now reaching back. What is it? 13, 14 years, Ooh. uh, to someone who's helped in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, and I must it must be said that we've been talking about this for close to about a year, year and a half, um, talking about this specific podcast. Yep. And um, when we were talking to Grange just recently, uh, what, three, four podcasts ago, he mentioned villains and a rogues gallery. And we kind of laughed and giggled and we said, oh, yeah, we got something in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the planning stage. And that wasn't just us just pulling it and making it up. We actually did have it. Uh, so back in 2007, um, Paul uh, Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Anderson, I'll get him to correct that uh, <laughs> in a second, uh, who a big Norwegian fan, uh, wrote for Chronicle Chamber, his top 10 villains. Now, when we kind of came back on it, we thought, oh, that's interesting. And then we kind of talked about what our top 10 villains were. And we thought, well, 13 years later, we're going to have to relook at this list. And then we're going to have to do our own. So, and then what we thought is, why don't we get Paul on board and then he can talk about his top 10 and whether it's actually changed 13 years later. So, howdy, Paul. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me here. Now, first thing first, we ask every guest this. Can you pronounce your last name for us? Uh, well, if I'm going to try it uh, using uh, the Norwegian pronunciation, it's Per Lunassen. Uh, but you can say Paul Jonasson is probably the closest. So just, uh, just, just, go with, just go with Paul. That's easier. Okay. So are you like the Norwegian brother of the Jonas Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> I, wish I, uh, I wish I had the money of the Jonas Brothers, at least. But uh, <laughs> I don't think I have the musical talent or the money. So uh, no. I, I don't think that's the case. Paul, yeah. you said you're in Norway. Where, whereabouts in Norway? Uh, I reside on the west coast of Norway, in, uh, on Norway's biggest island. Uh, I uh, 
have lived here all my life, basically, and uh, not much interesting happens. So uh, when I was, uh, uh, when I was, uh, I think around ten years old, I picked up my first Phantom comic, uh, and uh, I was kind of hooked for life. Uh, have been a big fan since then. Uh, that was back in 1999, I think. Uh, so it's uh, it's been some years. So you're a young fella. So yes. Um, so there's not many young fellas out there. You might be one of the youngest fans fans out there. Yes, I think. Uh, well, I I've noticed Dan's son has been on some of these podcasts. So uh, there there are some younger than me, but I'm. Uh, I'm 31 years old now, so I guess that makes me like a junior Phantom fan still. <laughs> <laughs> By building an impressive collection, mate, I do like the look of those posters and the and the folders of comics behind you there. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. This it's a uh, it's a uh, I have even more uh, uh, that you can't see on the phone now. Uh, I I started uh, I started collecting uh, uh, intensely right after picking up my first comic book, and I never really looked back. Uh, and uh, I have, uh, I, I have, well, I have most of the stories published in Norwegian, uh, and um, as many as I have been able to find in English. And uh, like now, I'm only subscri subscribing to the Fuse, which are wonderful. I think uh, throughout um, Ivan Peterson's uh, IP comics. So I highly recommend other people do the same because I think. Uh, even though the Norwegian comic was cancelled, uh, oh, it's been two years, I think, now. Uh, it's, it's still possible to get your Phantom fix uh, through Ivan, so I, I, I highly recommend that. Mm, and yes. you just, um, that's IP Comics on Facebook is probably the easiest way for people to find him, in, isn't it? Yes, probably, yes. Yeah, yeah and, and he does a good service for not only as a colorist for Fru, but um, as a as a distributor um, in Europe. So um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's the only way of getting. Uh, I think it's basically the only way of getting them. Uh, well, at least here in Norway, without because they don't. I don't think they allow you to subscribe to it from directly from Fru. Mm. Well, it's it's a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now. We've, you and I, Paul, we've known each other since what? We were uh, doing the mass 15, 20 years ago is when we first connected um, via yes. the old Kingston Forum. Uh, and all the yes. old timers will, uh, will remember that with uh, fond memories. Um, yes. That was a great time of being a fan. And uh, I think uh, back in the day, interacting with fans through the forum, it made me... Uh, it, it kind of took my uh, interest in this character to a whole new level. So it was, uh, uh, it, it was just great. I think there were so many, uh, there were so many people using those forums too uh, for years and years. Yeah, yeah. Now, others, uh, some people may not know, but you've actually been in a Phantom comic. Yes, <laughs> I was. Uh, there was this competition on the Moonstone, uh, old Moonstone website, like in, uh, I think it was in 2005 or 2006 or something, uh, where you were supposed to write your, uh, it was basically a phantom short story or something. Uh, and I won the, I won the competition. Uh, they gave me some really cool prizes. Uh, but the coolest one was by far being drawn into a phantom comic. Uh, the first part of the, 
Checkmate storyline, if anybody remembers that one. It was a five-part story. Uh, so I was the Phantom's driver. Uh, I drove the Walker family to the airport <laughs> in the issue. And in uh, a couple of issues later, I actually wound up dead, which was uh, <laughs> which was which was a strange honor, I think. Uh, <laughs> the bad guy, uh, the bad guy, which uh, I may or may not have included on my list because of this, uh, he actually threatened uh, he threatened Diana, I think, by showing her a video or a photo or something of my dead body uh, to show what he was capable of doing. So that was. Uh, so I, I kind of became a plot device, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. And oh, and yeah. you just mentioned the list. Then, how did you actually come to um how how did you come to send it into Joe Douglas, I suppose, for him to publish on the website at the time, or how, what was your involvement in Chronicle Chamber then? Uh, I basically contrib uh, contributed with many articles back in those days when he was running the website, uh, and this was one of uh, must have been at least ten, I think. Right. Uh, so I, uh, I have. I, it's been so many years. So I can't remember why uh, I decided to sit down with that. But it was. Uh, it seemed like a fun thing to do. I guess and it mm -hmm. was just just as it is, uh, looked like a fun thing to do now again because my list is uh, quite different now. Mm. That was going to be one of our questions. Is uh, one of the things I've been looking forward to is how different your list is going to be. So. Um, well, so on Some the, of the on, places are the same. Yeah, yeah, on the podcast, we will have a list. We will include everyone's list. We've got Stephen's list as well, who sadly couldn't yeah. make, make it tonight. And then we will include the um, uh, to the article that you originally wrote as well. Um, oh, cool. Should we go over your original 10 and then we'll start the discussion? Uh, I don't uh, have the original 10 in front of me, so I, uh, maybe you have. I've got the original 10 in front of me. <laughs> okay, so at first you had Labunga, which was from the uh, Labunga series. Number yes. two, you had General Bababu. Uh, three, you had uh, Dog Eye Singh. Four, you had uh, Rolf Mars, which was from the Australian-created uh, Marvel series. Yeah. Five, you had Baron Grover. Number six, you had Bale which is from the Golden Rune series. Seven, yes. you had Runner Singh, who um, killed the 20th Phantom. Number yep. eight, you had Sala. Number nine, you had Goldhand. And number 10, you had the Marshall Sisters. Yes, I think that was mostly intended uh, as a joke entry, almost, but uh, they, really, they really challenged the Phantom in their own way, so I guess they could yes. count as villain. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, several stories. So, Dan, what do you think about that original ten? Oh, it was. Is I actually remember one of um, one of my first jobs when I first came on. One of the things I first took upon when I first came onto the team was to um, Joe had only just changed websites from something to Wix, and um, so we had all of the old articles um, in a blog form, but not updated for the new website, and. Um, so one of the first things I did was to bring a lot of those across. And I distinctly remember playing with Paul's because um, uh, putting it the photo, you know, sourcing and um, or putting in photos for the, and formatting the article. It's the one that really stands out because it was really entertaining to go back and look through all of those old villains. Um, so uh, that's sort of why it stuck with me and, and I'm very happy to be doing this tonight. 
Um, and it's always fun, of course, to, to go back and think about the, the bad guys and the, all the different stories that you've enjoyed. Um, I've probably used a slot. I've, I've probably tweaked the criteria a little bit. We maybe we maybe need to discuss um, uh, what's in and what's out in terms of uh, different types of bad guys, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I'd be interested to know, I guess, okay, so one of the questions I'd have is, you, so you've listed a couple of things there separately, Paul. I probably would yes. like to list the Sing organisation um, and cover all of them. Um, so are we, are we uh, including just individuals or are you allowed to have organisations as well? Uh, I didn't really think that far. I, uh, I only included individuals uh, because, I mean, the Sing Brotherhood, uh, there has been so many cool villains uh, introduced as members of the Brotherhood that it's, uh, uh, it seems kind of a shame to not mention them individu- individually uh, to me in, in, in that way. Mm. Well, that's fair. What did you do, yeah. Jim? Um, it's a good question. Um, uh, there's been some great uh, chat and banter as we've prepared for this podcast. Um, personally, I've done a mixture of both in my top 10. With the Sing, I've listed them individually purely because there's probably been more attention paid to them individually rather than some other organisations, which I'm sure we'll discuss as we list our 10. So I think... I don't think that I think you could probably do a bit of both. Um, like for instance, in Paul's original, he had Ramasing and Dogai Singh. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sure there will probably be a couple of other Singh brothers. There might be Kabai Singh, which was the first major villain. There's probably even maybe Sandal Singh, which may um, uh, be presented in a couple of people's top tens as well. Um, but I think they're probably more individuals, but then there's going to be probably some organizations that where we don't really know who the head guy is or something that, that may have to be an organization. Um, so yeah. So, so you're having your cake cake and eating it too, is what you're saying? Yeah. I want to do a Steven and sit on the fence on that one. (laughs) But I've got another question uh, regarding Paul's original list is, He's included the Marshall sisters and Sala. So my question is, is do the anti-heroes like Sala or the Marshall sisters belong in that list? And what about reformed bad guys or girls like Big Steve from the Shark's Nest, Fifi from the Golden Circle, Sala from the Cyban, and Susie even to an extent from the Governor and Susie who started off as bad guys and then became good guys or became um, helpers of the Phantom? Do they belong on the list? I would... Uh, I don't think I would have included uh, any of them today. Uh, back in the day when I wrote the list, there was still... Uh, since then, there have been uh, uh, several Moonstone stories and uh, at least one Egmont story, if I remember correctly, featuring Sala, uh, which kind of... Uh, uh, if uh, she, she's not really the bad guy of any of them, she's more mm. like uh, a helper of the Phantom that has some. Uh, well, she has the shady career of uh, in, in all of them, but she's uh, she's definitely not out to get the Phantom in any way. So uh, I, I don't think I would have counted her today as uh, as a villain personally. Mm. Mm. Dan. Um, I I think there's all merit to them being classed as villains, but they're probably 
in a slightly different category of villain. And certainly uh, none of them have appeared on my top 10. Um, so I think there's lots of more um, malevolent and bad guys that are out there that um, would better suit a rogues gallery if that's what we were, if that's what we were looking to create. So, yeah. Mm. All right. And then I've got another question. One of the beauties about the Phantom, and we've made mention of this millions of times, is that there's past Phantoms and we've even seen a couple of future Phantoms. So did anyone include past villains or future villains in their top tens? And, and how do you juggle that? Is, are we just talking about the 21st Phantom or are we talking about the Phantom as a collective 27 generations from the first Phantom to the Defenders of the Earth Phantom? I included uh, I included villains of the past, and I uh, one of the most impressive things of uh, following the Phantom is that it's uh, it's it's such an epic story of the spanning five hundred years almost that uh, it, I I I, uh, I would be disappointed if I couldn't include some of the historical ones. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm on that page too. Like I didn't I certainly didn't discount anyone from the future, but I haven't got them. I, I think Steve might if I've um, browsed his list correctly. Um, Four of mine are villains that the the past phantoms would have battled as well. So mm. um, I've certainly brought them in. Yeah, awesome. Um, any other questions about creating criteria or anything, or did we want to get started on our lists? Well, I, I did put. Uh, yeah, sorry. Where you first? Right, you no, you first. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's all right. That's all right. I was just going to say that. Um, I included three, um, I, I sort of had three dot points for myself. They had to be a memorable villain um, and I needed to be um, fond of the stories that they were in. I, I wanted to be um, remember them happily or, or enjoyably. And third, I wanted the villains to have the prospect of creating new stories as well to be used by yeah. uh, into the future. So that's probably the three, the three criteria I had. Yeah. No, that's, that's a... Um uh, good criteria. What was your criteria, Paul? Uh, basically, I, um, I, my only criteria was that they were, uh, first and foremost, they were, uh, the villains should be memorable. Uh, they, the ones I picked are the ones that kind of stuck in my mind for some reason or the other. Uh, not yeah. all of them might have been the biggest uh, threats to the Phantom, and they might not have stuck around in the comic for too long. But it was—it's uh, just something about them that hooked me, that made uh, them stand out in one way or another. Mm. Mine had to be that it had to cause the Phantom trouble. Like mm. yep. it had to be. And if let's be honest, if we were to be honest about the Phantom and the Rogues, the Rogues Gallery, is that a lot of the time the Phantom tends to defeat the bad guys a little bit too easily. And they don't reappear. Now, I'll, I'm glad we don't have where the Phantom battles the same villain in every single issue, like the fan, uh, like Batman and Joker. Mm. Yeah, I would hate to be reading a thousand stories about Batman defeating Joker. That kind of gets old after a little while. Sorry, Batman fans out there. So for me, they had to be memorable in a sense of how they challenged the Phantom or even defeated the Phantom. Um, like, for instance, in my list, I've got two people that actually, well, I've kind of got a list of 15 here. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I also have more than ten. Here's what okay. I did. I've got. Th- I've separated out my honourable mentions. Yeah. And uh, so I think you probably need to do that pretty swiftly. <laughs> yeah. So in my list of 14, 15, including the honourable mentions, there's two that have actually killed the Phantom. So for me, they're honourable because of the way it happened. Um, so that's one of the criteria for me. Um, and then another one, like what you said, Dan, you have to enjoy, you have to be able to enjoy the story. Like, the story has to be enjoyable where you go back and reread it. Um, and, you know, when, and, and I also liked stories where he has come back or not just like a one hit wonder story. Yeah, so yeah. Where it's just like you get one story and that's it. You never see him again. I think all of mine, there's been more than one story featuring that phantom. So that was kind of how I did mine. I, think- I was just a little comment on what you said about the um, the rogues gallery or the phantom being a little more. Uh, usually, he's he's uh, usually it's a one one and done deal. Uh, yeah. But that also makes the opponents that stick around seem uh, more formidable, basically, yeah. like the Sing Brotherhood, because they are. Um, it, it, like Batman is, uh, you mentioned Batman and the Joker. Uh, when a bad guy sticks around for that long and, uh, and terrorizes the hero so frequently, it only makes the hero look a little ineffective, I think. Mm. But with the Phantom, there has been, uh, even the recurring villains haven't been, uh, none of them have been overused in the way that the, the Joker has yeah. uh, in, in yeah. Batman comics. So it makes, uh, it, it, it makes it feel a little more believable, basically. That is a good point, and and one I hadn't really thought about. But a, a phantom villain probably does need to have an actual shelf life, where you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, whether it's the next yes. generation or or a, a toughened up version of the same one, um, as yes. long as the villain gets the comeuppance in the end, that's yeah. So you, so you might be right. Um, maybe it'd be interesting to have a look at. I think uh, Python might have like thirteen daily stories about him. I'm not sure how many. Uh, Team Farnerman, but maybe again, you know, is that enough? It's certainly more than um, uh, Babu was um, yeah. the most used villain. So, well, I've, I think it's a very good point. Like, I think Dogo Singh, for example, I think he's probably been the most used villain, uh, yeah. um, and he's effectively been put on ice. You know, I think that's, I think that's, I think it's probably good that he's been put on ice, that he's, um, because he did get a little bit long in the tooth mm. towards the end. He just kind of, he almost became the Batman's Joker where it's like, oh, great, here we go again. It's dog icing mm. and he's going to fail again. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that said, I think there's still a lot of scope for um, in the back catalogue of the Phantom for characters who aren't overused yet. And I guess that yes. speaks to my third criteria. Like every one of the characters I'm going to mention tonight, I'd love to see another story or two at least and sometimes another six or ten. Cool. All right. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Or I'm thinking we maybe list ten to six and then we'll kind of have a bit of a discussion. And, or do you want to list all ten? How do you just want to do it? I think the way you suggested sounds good for me. Yeah. Like a, okay. a 10 to 6, maybe? 
Okay, so Paul, do you want to go first, mate, as our guest? Yes, I can do that. Uh, just just uh, list 10 to 6. Yep. Uh, on number 10, my choice was a villain called Goldham, uh, that ap- who appeared in two uh, Eggmont stories, uh, one in the 70s, I think, and the sequel was released in 1998 or something. Uh, and number nine, I had Sandal Singh, uh, who we should all know by now. Uh, okay, can we stop you there? Ask you a question. Oh, yes. Is the, is the Sun the Phantoms or not? Uh, I know that is controversial on this podcast, so I'm not sure if I dare to. <laughs> I think uh, I think it's probably best that it is left ambiguous, but it, I think it's uh, uh, there seems to be a strong possibility that he is. Uh, and but I. I I think it might be best if they never actually resolve that one and keep it up in the air uh, because it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting to uh, keep guessing. So I don't I don't think the answer would satisfy. Uh, I mean, you no matter what you do, you end up alienating a lot of the fans. So because there's uh, like two very uh, opposing camps around this question, I guess. Mm. That's that's perhaps the ultimate fence sitting response, Paul. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> they, not not just should they. We should never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry to interrupt. You keep going. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good question, though. <laughs> uh, on number eight, I had uh, Chatu slash the Python. Uh, and number seven, I had this guy called Camel. Uh, from the DC, he appeared in four DC stories. And on number six, I have uh, uh, what I think will be the most original choice of any of these lists, maybe, because it's the uh, evil grandmother from the Castle of Evil story, uh, or rather her evil twin sister pretending to be the evil grandmother. She's called Irma. Uh, I'm not sure if you even remember the story, but it's... uh, this uh, horror story by Norman Verker and Hans Lindahl. What the was the name of the story again? Uh, the Castle of Evil is what it's called in Norwegian, and okay. the Phantom Wiki told me it was called that in English too. Oh, I think I know the yeah. one you're talking about. Is that a 1988 story? 1988, yes. Yes. It's is that basically the Red the, Riding Hood? Yes, correct the horror version of the Red Riding Hood where the Phantom and Jacob Grimm, who wrote the fairy tale, I believe, they they meet the uh, inspiration for the fairy tale. Oh, that yeah. is a real... Well, you're right. That's going to be very unique. I don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Have you read it, Dan? Um, I'm trying to scan through the summary on Phantom Wiki. It's one of the better summaries. Did you write this, Paul? Because it's one of the no, best. I didn't. <laughs> Lots of the stories have very little in the way of a summary, and this one's too extensive for me to read in a, in a hurry. Um, I don't, it doesn't yeah. spring to mind immediately. No, I know no, that story. It's quite, yes. it's quite spooky. Um, it's I terrifying. Reading, I remember reading it as a child, and um, well, as a twelve, probably twelve, thirteen, fourteen year old, and um, yeah, almost being freaked out, like it was. Um, yes, I, I will admit I've never been someone who's liked horror movies, um, just purely because it's I just don't get it. Um, yeah, it's 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 a great story. It um, 
it uh yeah it's quite freaky uh, so i think it has uh, i think it probably has the best artwork that hans lindahl ever did which is saying something so it's uh but i guess we can talk more about it when we uh later if you you'd like or oh yeah. no i was just going to say for for australian listeners the it's through number 1047 which came out in 1993 and germ from what i know of your um getting into the fandom that was almost that would have been the first year or so that you were reading uh through regularly uh I was, it was probably 94 95 was when i started so it was just before so um but I, just, yeah, yeah yeah i picked up like when i first started collecting i brought an old collection off someone so it was in there so you know i was quite lucky that i picked up like 300 comics you know pretty much straight away you know within six months of collecting it so um yeah it's it's quite it's a very spooky story um that's a great so um why did you choose that well basically it's uh, i think the story is uh, probably in my top 10 of the ones i've read the most at least and there yeah. is something about the uh, i think if it was drawn by anybody else than hans lindahl the the character might not have stuck out in the way she did for me but he has uh I've heard people saying that Hans Lindahl draws rubber faces uh, and he kind of takes that to the extreme with that character because she is, uh, uh, she's, she, she just looks terrifying uh, the way he draws her. Eat, uh, there's a scene with her eating a chicken or something like that. That is just, uh, mm. just gives me the chills just thinking about it. Uh, he makes her so grotesque and, uh, and uh, frightening to look at that the, the visual deal is part of it definitely and then there's also the fact that she uh this the story strongly indicates that she is a werewolf it's never said there directly i think but it's uh mm -hmm. it's, it's clear as day when you reach the ending that it is a supernatural story and that she is uh she's a, a <laughs> able to turn into a big killer wolf mm. so i uh i i just thought that was really cool um there's a scene there the end of the story where uh, the phantom cuts of uh, one of the paws of the wolf, and then you see her. Uh, this is a spoiler for a thirty-year-old story, by the way. But, but then you see, <laughs> then you see her lying on the ground later on in the story, missing a hand and uh, stone dead. It, it really resonated with me as a child uh, when I read it for the first time. Uh, like you said, Germaine, it was. Uh, I wasn't really into horror films uh, either back in those days, but so the story might have had an even bigger effect on me because it was so. It's it's not a very it's not a very kid friendly story basically. Mm. Yeah, it's even got uh, the Phantom butt naked as well, fighting a werewolf in his uh, birthday yes. suit. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> did, uh, did, uh, did Jim Shepard draw underpants on him or or something? No, no, we saw the oh. buttocks. <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah there you go well that sounds like like you say very left field pick but um but very intriguing yes. i hope a lot of people get, seek out that story now and, and read it also i feel like i um am keen to now i highly re recommend it i uh, it's a shame if it hasn't been reprinted in australia and uh, i don't know if it has but it, it definitely uh, just just the once in 93 and um if we're right. putting comics in Coles supermarkets at the moment, we probably don't want to put that one in by the sounds of it. 
No, maybe not. I I can't understand why, but it's uh, it's just wonderful. So it's highly recommended yeah, to everybody. You also you also picked Goldhand as at intense spot. Now, um, yes. Um, as you've mentioned, my son Angus, he um, that was one of the books that he's read when I uh, gave him some of my um, my more fair copies um, of my seconds yeah, from the collection. Um, and he really loved those two issues as well. So um, again, yeah. you know, about ten, ten and a half, and. Um, yeah, he, he was really taken by the idea of this man with a golden hand. Yes, mm. that should have been the title, maybe. But uh, yes, I, I'm I'm basically uh, basically I'm always uh, a sucker for any uh, story featuring uh, colorful villains because, like Jermaine said earlier uh, on, uh, most of the villains are one and done, and they are uh, also most of the villains are kind of uh, uh, well, the Phantom fights more realistic villains than. than most costume heroes do. Uh, so the ones that have some sort of gimmick always end up sticking out for me somewhat. And mm. the uh, this guy has uh, he has lost his right hand, I believe, and he has replaced it with a a, a golden hand. I think it's made of pure gold, uh, which he also uses as a weapon. Um, he is uh, he's he's shown as a physically formidable foe in, in the first story he appeared in uh, yeah. where the Phantom he only managed, if I remember correctly he only manages to beat him in the fight by uh, by pure luck uh, Goldhand is very close to killing uh, killing mm. off the Phantom and that was uh, pretty much the case in the sequel too if I remember correctly, it's been many years yeah. since I read both of them yeah for me, what I liked about it, I prefer the first story of Goldhand. Um, it was in the second story he came across more of a like a deranged type of person, where he kind of lost that that X factor, I guess, for the lack of a better word, as in the first story. Because in the first story he was a great villain. Second story, it was almost like, yeah, nice try bringing him back, but maybe it was better that we didn't see him. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed the first story. I think it was, um, was, uh, Jamie Vale who did the first story. I think oh, it was, uh, uh, yes. yeah, George Bess. Oh, was right. Sorry. Teams? Sorry. What was that? Were they different creative teams or different, just different? Yeah. So the first one was Goldhand. Um, I'll pull out the stories for Australia. So, uh, issue 1215 in 98. Um, Sweden was, there's been a, a number of times, same as Norway. Um, so that was the first story which was created by John Lundstrom and George Bess. Uh, and then the second one was The Return of the Gold Hand, which was actually done by Tony D. Paul and Henya Bay which was uh, 1216 so um, yes yeah so they're quite close together that's interesting what um, because as you were talking about the difference between the two stories I was thinking about one thing that makes a great villain is a, a long-term scheme and uh, if the one author is able to write multiple stories about the same villain then they, they've got a deeper end game um, and perhaps you know, returning to the well um, when someone perhaps didn't expect a second story so there was no real obvious tie-in or um, certainly the same creator didn't have uh, a part B in mind. 
Um, so that's interesting to, to think about when I look at the, the other characters that I've got on my list. Yeah. Um, I, I like Camel. Uh, he's from the DC yep. area. Uh, uh, that's the regular series. Uh, he was the gun runner. Um, for those who have come in late, we've had some great podcasts with Luke McDonald and um, Mark uh, Verhanen. Ver- Ver- um, so, you know, if you enjoyed that character as well, we recommend you listening to those podcasts. Um, he was a, he, he's a good villain. Um, I think he is. The reason I, I felt like I had to include one villain from the DC uh, series because I uh, I find myself returning to those issues, uh, all 13 issues, again and again and again. I read them every couple of years, basically. Uh, and one of the reasons I picked him was that he was uh, he was the only one that came back. He uh, he's uh, he's the main villain in uh, in uh, issue one and two, and then he returns in. 12 and 13 if I remember correctly yes and there is nothing uh, there is nothing particularly memorable about him and he doesn't have like a gimmick or something like gold hand but he's uh, uh, he, he's he's just scary because he feels so real he feels like some kind of he, he feels like the kind of guy you would see on the news every night basically yeah. uh, profiting on uh, war and, and destruction and uh, and all, other people's misery yeah He's like a cockroach. You just can't keep him away. He just keeps coming back and back. And um, so, yes. yeah. No, that was a good one. Um, and then there's this, and then there's actually a one. There is this wonderful section in the uh, second issue he's in, where he uh, I, I read it, reread it this summer, uh, where he uh, he is. Uh, sh- I don't think any villain has show, been shown to be more terrified of the Phantom than he is in in that final issue because he. Uh, basically everything falls to pieces around him as the phantom comes closer and closer and uh, and uh, and finally uh, I, I, he doesn't even get him in the end but his he has just terrified him uh, he has just terrified him so much that you you get the sense that he the phantom has won anyway yeah 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 uh, Dan anything you want to add to uh, Paul's top five or and otherwise we'll move on to Stevens. Yeah, I was thinking that we probably need, because the other two characters there are ones that uh, I know we're going to talk about as other lists come around. So mm. those are probably yes. the unique ones, I think. Yeah. Yes, that's fine. Cool. So um, oh, where's Stephen's list? Okay. Okay, so he's got, I'll do six to ten. And then you can do the other one, uh, Dan. So he's got now he's gone more organisation. So he's gone witch doctors, such a ident- specifically someone like Hoogan. Um, then he's got Kurt, which is the Phantom's brother in Defenders of the Earth TV series. Uh, then the Lady Luck Pirates, the Nomad, and then Lubunga at number six. Um, I, I like the fact that he's done the Phantom's brother and Defenders of the Earth. Like for me, that's that's the best episode. The you know brother versus brother on the Defenders of the Earth. So I'm really glad he included that one. And um, we talked about it start, during the start of the podcast when uh, we said that you know that we've we've got a future 
villain as well. So it's it's a good um, a good addition. Uh, the Witch Doctors uh, is an interesting one. Um, uh, yeah, and then you, and then you've got Labunga and Nomad. Uh, anything? Any comments to those guys? Oh, I, I, like, uh, I like a good no, witch doctors. Oh, sorry, but no, you go. You go ahead. Um, I, I do like a good witch doctors story. Um, they get probably getting harder to write in twenty twenty and beyond. Um, so yeah, that 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 requires a lot of a uh, lot of thought about how you handle it, uh, a villain like that. But I do do I have enjoyed a lot of witch doctor stories in the yeah. past. Yeah, that was uh, you basically said what I was going to say. So uh, uh, no need to comment further for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and the lady like pirates was an interesting choice. Um, did any of you have that in your uh, top five uh, top top tens? No, I I considered them um, because, um, well, for reasons I'll explain when I talk about the Sky Band, I think. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and Lubanga. Um, I think Lubanga might be might feature in everyone's top ten. Uh, maybe. Or, so it'll be interesting if that is the case. Uh, Dan, do you want to go your uh, ten to six, mate? Yes, I will. And so I have gone uh, Labunga in my 10 to 6 um, because uh, certainly an, uh, a really challenging hero, uh, sorry, villain for the Phantom to um, overcome. Anyway, so in reverse order, at number 10, I've got Drummer of Timpani, who's mm. probably appeared in the fewest stories of anyone on the list, I think, now. Um, I just really like the Drummer of Timpani as a character. I mentioned Witch Doctors just now. Um, he probably does fit into that category and just someone who uh, could to, could come up with a rhythm on a drum that was so hypnotic that he could take over tribes. I just love that. Um, and the challenge the Phantom has to come overcome it. And he, yeah, as I said, multiple stories. Um, number nine, I've gone, I've probably cheated a little bit and put two organisations because I think that um, if Lee 4 could only come up with either Scorpia or Hydra, both of, both of which I've sort of settled on at number nine, um, I'd love a really uh, organised international criminal gang, um, yeah. which Scorpia and Hydra both are. Um, so I feel like you could probably, yeah. I'm cheating, I know, uh, but I, I couldn't pick uh, one of them and not the other one there. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for future stories there. Are they underutilised? Should we see more stories of Scorpia and Hydra? Well, as I said, a lot of um, my thoughts were about stories that could come. Um, about these because again both of those criminal organizations go back they're not they're not brand new you could yeah. write stories for them where the 18th phantom was fighting against a version of them so mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of potential for scorpio and hydra yeah uh labanga was I, yeah sorry i just was going to say uh, quickly i remember when i interviewed class ray murthy for the uh, chronicle chamber page back in the day he actually mentioned the Scorpion and Hydra as being, uh, he, he didn't find them very appealing villains because they didn't have the, uh, they, they, they were just not as interesting to him like uh, the Vultures and, and, and those kinds of bad guys. They didn't have, he didn't find them to be, have any interesting sides to them, basically. Yeah, fair enough. They probably do lend themselves to the Phantom being more of a detective character than a, than a rough and tumble character, I guess. But um, I'm sure they still find a way to give someone a skull mark on the way through. Yes, of course. 
Um, number eight, I've got Labanga, who, on reflection, and this is not intentional, but um, he's probably my only Scandinavian creation on my top ten. Um, so I, I recognise what a difficult and painful villain Labanga was right throughout. Um, yeah, really, really. And, and in a similar uh, vein, I guess I've got number seven is Chatu the Python, um, who you mentioned, um, uh, Paul. And uh, then at number six is the Sky Band, who I, yeah, who I mentioned earlier. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting with what you said, Paul, about what Kai said about Scorpion Hydra. <sighs> the one they um, underutilised, and I don't, I don't th- really think Fork probably. They. <sighs> We never really got to see their um, real. They kind of seemed like a. What am I trying to say? Some organisation like the Sing Brotherhood. They were terrifying. They were pirates. They they had that unique element to it. The Vultures is another one with the big V on their on their forehead. Where Scorpion and Hydra kind of more like seemed just like a, a mob, like a you know just like a an organisation and. They didn't really have that um, that X factor or that that, that that scary bit, and it kind of maybe it was because they work so well in the shadows that they don't kind of come across as you know. But I, I think I think they were probably underutilized as a villain by Lee Fork, and I I would like to see more Phantom creators using those guys. I really enjoyed what. Um, uh, Shane Foley did with Scorpius, um, and I, I really think that those two villains could be um, used a lot better. Mm. I certainly take your point about the lack of a point of difference, I guess, and that's why I've lumped them in together. But it's also mm. why they're as as low as they're still in the top ten, but they're in ninth spot for me. Like there's certainly others that are above them. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Did you have the Skyband in your top 10, Germ, or am I the only one? Am I one out on that? No, I didn't. I don't really like that story. Um, like, now, there's two stories, Skyband and Return of the Skyband. I didn't really like either of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the first one, in the original Skyband, the Phantom doesn't do anything. He just he sits in, a, he sits in jail moping and talking to a Mickey Mouse. Uh, and then he doesn't even really do anything to save the day. So that story is not very memorable to me. Like, you know, the mouse does more to rescue, the, to save the day than what the Phantom does in that story. So I like the concept. Um, you know, it's definitely, I can understand why it's in people's top tens um, with it, um, you know, because it was also featured in the movie. Um, Defenders of the Earth of have done a, sci- a, a sky band. Uh, Moonstone has done a sky band. So I understand its appeal, um, but I just, yeah, I, it, it doesn't really appeal to me personally. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, well, I, as, um, as a, as a, I guess it's a similar is it's an organized gang. Um, yeah. So there's nothing scary and, and particularly vicious about it that the, the point of difference is that it's an all-female gang, which um, um, I think, you know, again, for 1936 is way ahead of its time Yeah. Uh, for when it was written. 
So um, they were using airplanes and and they were ruthless as well. Like they weren't using their charm or something, but they were very ruthless. That's it. So it's a, I, I, like I said, I see why it would be in people's top tens. Mm. Um, I pers- if we're talking about girl gangs, I prefer the Golden Circle mm. over over the Sky Band. Um, but um, yeah, I yeah, it's just um, probably not not my favourite. Fair enough, and I guess that's um, Steve landed on Lady Luck as his favourite. Um, yeah, female gang. And I've got a female gang in my top fifteen, and you've got one. Is that Golden Circle? Uh, the Golden Circle, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you've got one. Uh, Stephen's got one. So I think the all-female gang is a concept that resonates with a lot of fans. Teenage boys, when they read it, we all just like different artwork. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Probably reading it as a teenage boy probably uh, had a lot to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Paul? If you, What would be your favourite all-girl all girl gang? I, uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Jermaine, but I, I love the original Skyband stories, Black Hawk. Uh, so I would, I would pick them. Uh, I also really, uh, it's one of the best Moonstone stories uh, that shows yeah. their mo- modern day return, basically, uh, yeah. with the daughter of Sala, who uh, thinks she is the daughter of, uh, of Kit Walker. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I would have, uh, that would probably have uh, influenced me picking them uh, as my favorite too, because uh, they, were, they were updated for today and uh, yeah. really well. Yeah, the artwork was enjoyable. Um, the story was good. And the front yeah. covers by um, uh, Doug Kaluba was probably some of my favorites that he's done as well. Yes, the second one shows the Phantom uh, falling through the sky, fighting with the. Uh, but it does, doesn't actually happen in the story. I was, I remember yeah. being disappointed by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, they were great covers. Yeah, and well, also I, I always also wonder. This is like a sidetrack, but I always wondered if uh, in the I was James Bond was in the news again uh, because Sean Connery died the day before we started recording this. Hmm. Uh, and I was uh, always been wondering if the uh, in, in in the book and the film Goldfinger there is this band of uh, basically female air pirates. Uh, I all, always wondered if Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming, the James Bond creator, got the idea from uh, from Lee Falk, maybe it's just speculation. It's a good point. Oh, I think we can assume safely that he did. Well, just yeah, maybe. <laughs> We're a fan podcast, so we'll claim it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. <laughs> so, what was your um, ten to six, Jim? Okay, my ten to six was the vultures. Um, now, I've put them ahead of the other organisations like Hydra and Scorpio and stuff because of the point of difference. Like for me, it's the big V and the fact that they're so despicable. You know, they prey on the weak. They go through walls and knock off all the all the people that are rich, for, you know, to to steal from the people. Uh, the story that um, uh, Peter Anderson wrote, uh, Requiem, you know, that was quite horrible to read. The original um, uh, story with art by Jamie Val, 
um, where they took over, I think it's the Vultures of Vacal, I think the story was. You know, they're, they're despicable human beings. And the fact that they've been, um, you know, the, the, all the many past phantoms have battled the Vultures as well. So for me, the fact that they've got that point of difference and they are so despicable sees why I'm in the top 10. Uh, Sandal Singh as nine. Um, one of the things I like about her is that she's a different type of villain. A lot of villains that the Phantom fights, um, they're kind of like, they're, you know, they're, they're the brawn versus brawn, you know, muscle versus muscle fist fights where the Phantom can't do that to Sandal Singh. Uh, and then there's the there's that tension, you know, and sometimes the fandom's not sure if Sandal's a good person or a bad person. The fact that we're going to, you know, if you look at the 22nd Phantom, you've got two generations fighting Sandal Singh. So you've got Kit and Heloise and the 21st Phantom fighting Sandal. There's not many bad guys where two generations fight the same person. So that appeals to me. Um, uh, and I also like the fact that the Phantom's not quite, doesn't quite know how to deal with her and stuff. So that's why she's number nine. Number eight, Princess Sin. Um, you know, looking forward to the new story, the new trade paperback and the board game that's coming out with that. So I think, um, uh, and I really enjoyed the stories um, and I've enjoyed um, uh enjoy Dale McCanty's take on her in the prequel story. And then I'm looking forward to the sequel stories story with her as well. So um, she gets into my top 10. Uh, the black car nation is my, is in number seven. Uh, do you guys remember him? Yes. Vaguely. Very well. Yeah. Um, I, th I think he was, uh, we were referring to lifespans of the villains earlier and uh uh, he, uh, spoiler again, he died a few years ago, and uh, but he was used, I, I think, basically the perfect amount of times because you didn't, yeah. uh, not 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 enough to be tired of him, but he uh, he he died just in time before that happened. He was uh, yeah. he was an interesting villain. Yeah, he was an interesting villain. One of the things that sticks with me was when he chained the Phantom up on the Skull Throne. Yeah. Um, as someone who was, I think I was a fan five, ten years when that story came out, so I was quite impressionable at that time. The fact that the Phantom was chained up in his own skull cave, in his own skull throne, kind of was like, oh, wow, this guy's to be taken serious. He impersonated the Phantom for a period of time. And then mm. even at the beginning of the stories that we saw with him, he was kind of like someone you never you he was a master of disguise and so he would help people escape and and stuff and then you would leave a calling card so he he had that point of difference and he he captured my imagination and he he had the brains but he also was able to um you know i guess uh trouble the phantom as well so um, he was a, a likable villain, in a sense. Uh, and number six, I had Rama Singh. Now, I included Rama Singh, uh, I may mention before about the fact that 
I've included in my top 15 villains that have killed past phantoms. He killed the phantom's father, our phantom's father, the 20th phantom. Um, and I really enjoyed the double rainbow story and which was, which was being made into, you know, Lee Fork's newspaper story, a, um, uh, a building 90 story, uh, Egmont story. And then we've kind of got that story also in the movie as well. So, um, you know, a sing pirate betraying, you know, the phantom and all that kind of, you know, in my opinion, kind of captures, um, captured me as well and is memorable. And it's quite, uh, it's quite, it's quite brutal the way he kills. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's not depicted graphically or anything, but it, it really got my imagination going as a kid reading it because you, uh, I think you see in uh, both the original Wilson McCoy drawn version and also the one uh, it was remade by uh, Carly Lepanen. Uh, you see basically him uh, ready to put the knife into the. Uh, the 20th Phantom, and uh, that was uh, that was quite shocking to me when I was a kid reading it. Mm. I distinctly remember the um, holding up the belt with the hole through through it, yeah. um, and just the idea of that's where the belt. You know, you can you see the stabbing motion, you know where it's gone in, and um, yeah. you don't need to see the actual moment to to get a full grip of how nasty it is to be stabbed in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the fact that he tricked the, the 20th Phantom as well. And it, let's, let's face it, he's a low life. Mm. And he has become who he is through stabbing in the back, you know, scratching, clawing. He's that kind of despicable bad guy. You know, you get your flamboyant bad guys like the Black Carnation or even like Princess Sin, you know, or Cyband and, and stuff like that, where Rama Singh is kind of like, on the other end, he's that real despicable, unlikable villain. Hmm. This is I also I'm like the good. fact that the Phantom, uh, I also like the fact that the Phantom seems to believe in second chances, basically, by trusting yeah. him. Uh, because it, it, he, he might appear a little naive uh, doing it, but he, uh, it, it kind of shows that the Phantom has such a good heart that he is willing to hmm. uh, trust him the possibility of this uh, this pirate having changed his ways. Yeah. And then, of course, he gets punished for that. So. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this this is where I'm very glad that I've cheated. You've um, uh, labelled two different things in your uh, 10 to 6 term, and I've got them all wrapped up in one nice little bow We're under Sing Brotherhood in my top five. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fair enough. All right, yeah. So that's our that's our ten to six. Um, I will admit, I'm a little bit surprised you and Stephen um, has um, Lubanga not in your top five. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I've, yeah, I've got I've got a Lubanga representative in my top five, um, and that's partly how I how I ordered then is because, um, and, and spoilers, Babu, General Babu is in my top five, and he, I see he and Shatu as being, uh, sorry, he and Lubanga as being very similar characters. So I didn't, yeah. I couldn't justify both of them and, yeah. uh, in the top five. That was the ordering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, anyone else got any, um, 
I like the fact that there's some different villains in our second part of top 10 that, um, you know, that like, for instance, I've got the Black Carnation, Princess Sin, um, you know, Paul's got Irma and Carmel and mm-hmm. Gold Hand, and then when you've kind of, you know, you've, um, and and then Steve's got, you know, Kurt and stuff like that. So I like how there's, there's some, some characters that are some unique villains in our second half of the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I've gone of probably a very traditional, cause as I said, Labunga is my only Scandinavian creation in yeah. my, in my top 10. The rest are American creations cause they're all, um, mm. either Lee Falk or Tony DePaul. And so, and so they're the, you know, I probably represent the traditionalists. Surprise, surprise. Um, in my in my top um, ten villains list, yeah. So, what I find hard about Lee Falk's villains is that majority of them have only ever been created once. I don't have a single one, as I said, that only has ever been in one story. Yeah, so that's that's probably the the part that I found the hardest, including Lee Falk villains, was that he only created them. He did one story and then he moved on. And then some of the ones where he did go on and have multiple stories, like General Barbubu, I don't have in my top 10. I don't even have General Barbubu in my top 15. There you go. And yet, um, but um, you had Vultures in 10th place and they were uh, yeah. in a single Leaf Hawk story before Tim Fadiman took them up. Yeah, and then Tim Fadiman have got them in about five, ten following stories. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, should we go on to our top fives? Well, I think we should. We're, we're over an hour yep. into the podcast. Okay, so um, we'll do it in reverse order. So my top five, um, I have Baron Grover as my number five. Now, he was from the Seahorse. Now, he's also been in a Fratelli Sparta story, which... We actually reviewed a couple of months ago in the giant size story. Um, he, in my opinion, he is the most despicable bad guy that Lee Fawkes created. Um, you know, like he, he's just—he's kind of like a Ramasing, where he's kind of—he's a despicable human being. Um, you know, he kills for fun. He, uh, you know, he's just, he's just not likable. Like, there's been some bad guys that Lee Fawkes created and you almost like them, but you don't like Baron Grover. And so that's, you know, and I just love that whole, that whole story with the whole cat and mouse between Baron and the Phantom where they had to do the um, fight with Big Steve and then you got hunted along the island and all that. It's a memorable story for me. Uh, number four, I've well, got. The well, hang on, before you go on, Paul, you had Baron Grover in your original list. Did he make your top five? No, he didn't this time. Uh, I'm not really sure why. I, he would probably be in my top fifteen still, but uh, he he didn't make it this time. Hmm. I, I didn't have him in my top ten either. But um, I think that um, it, what he sort of I talked about um, Babu and and. Um, Lobunga being similar characters before, I think Baron Grover is absolutely the worst of the characters who 
were wealthy and were going to hook up with Diana and then turned out to be treacherous and run a gang. Like there was a whole heap of those characters that Lee Falk invented. Yeah. And I think you're right. Baron Grover was the worst of them. Yeah. And I think that's why I chose him. It was because he was, yeah, he was the worst of them. Mm. Um, number four, I've got the Nomad. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will admit, I kind of had trouble putting him in Tattoo, the Python, you know, where to put them. Now I've got the Nomad after Chatu purely because the 21st Phantom, he battled him and he fought against him, but he never really kind of met him and fought him close up. It was more of like a a battle, a, a distance battle, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, like when they first met, uh, it was um, they were going through the jungle and, and then, you know, they were hunting for the Phantom and the Phantom was dressed up as Kit, uh, as Kit Walker, giving it as a guide to try and find the Phantom. And then and then he went and stormed his, uh, his fortress out in the desert, but they never really met. And then even when the Phantom or when Nomad got captured, it wasn't the Phantom that captured him. It was his daughter that kind of captured him. So I think that the, that's the reason why I've kind of separated him and put him lower than Chatu was purely because they were fighting kind of separately and a, a distance. Um, but in saying that, as I said in the last podcast, I think the Nomad has more reach because with you know, and more potential for further stories with the Nomad's uh, wife and um, and the daughter and stuff like that as well. So, so I think there's more potential with the Nomad, but I bef- but he's not as high as Chatu. For number three, I had Dogai Singh. Um, now I know I did say before that he got long in the tooth, but he was a horrible Singh pirate um and then one of the things i really enjoyed was i'm not sure if you remember him the story about dogai before he became the leader of the Singh brotherhood um i really enjoyed those stories kind of learning and seeing the evolution of dogai from who he was to who he then became and i'm kind of glad they put him on ice um, because I think he did get, kind of get a bit long on the tooth. And I think the reason what, that's the reason why I had him at three, because I originally had him at number two. Number two, I had Chatu, uh, the python. Now, the reason I had him at number two is because him and number one, which is Labunga, they were the two that have given, in my opinion, the 21st Phantom the most grief. Chatu made the Phantom believe that his wife had died. And we saw it in the newspaper stories where he was a mess. The 21st Phantom was a mess. He was probably not fit to continue as the Phantom. And he really defeated him. And not only that, the first time they met, he also defeated the Phantom. He almost killed him by blowing him up with the suicide bomber. And I, apart from Lubanga, I don't think any phantom, any phantom has had someone who has challenged him as much mentally 
to be able to out-trick him. And he, remember, he did this while he was in jail, but also he physically met him and he physically was able to defeat him, the Phantom as well. So that's the reason why I've got those two as the top two. And Lubunga, well, Lubunga took away the Phantom's friend. He's probably his best friend or second best friend behind Guran in Lubunga, in Luaga. And that, as a new fan, I love that series. To this day, I still love the series of Lubunga versus Luaga versus the Phantom. Um, so that's that's my top that's my top five. Fair enough, fair enough, and and, and excellent justifications of all of them. You've probably got me rethinking um, Chateau a little bit because um, I didn't. Where did I put him? Uh, seven, maybe he could come up. But it, I think it's interesting that, um, and I did listen to the last podcast that last time uh, you argued Nomad versus Chateau, you said you'd, if you had to get rid of one, you'd get rid of Chateau. But now you're arguing that he's the second best villain of all time. Yeah, and I think I think the reason for that is because I think the Nomad has more potential and future for future stories. Mm. Mm. Um, where I think Chateau has probably run his race. And you know how we've talked about in the part at the beginning of this podcast that sometimes you have to end a villain. And I think Chatu's has been ended. And then I think it's the Nomad. And I think with the Nomad's wife, uh, I think she has the potential to become a real thorn in the side for Heloise uh, and stuff like that, which is the next generation Phantom. So, um, yeah, and... And then Diana, of course, playing matchmaker with um, trying to marry his, uh, her son <laughs> off to a terrorist daughter. What do you reckon, Paul? I think uh, Chatu was on uh, number eight on my list, and I didn't, I, I didn't have the Nomad. Uh, he, he would have been on my top fifteen. Uh, but I, I think, like uh, Jermaine says, I think Chato has run his course by now. I don't think. Uh, I would I would prefer if he didn't show up uh, yeah. again anytime soon. But yeah. he was in the in the uh, in the death of Diana storyline. I remember he was he was such a great uh, he was such a great character. He was uh, and that was easily uh, I, I think that's one of the best uh, Phantom stories of all time. And it was so yeah. it was so exciting to follow day by day uh, to see what in in what ways he would. Uh, you you always felt that the Phantom you. You always feel that the Phantom will win in the end, but uh, in that storyline, I wasn't really so sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, and that's probably... I, I had that experience with um, Reckoning of the Nomad um, most recently, and I know I hear what Jermaine said about it wasn't technically the Phantom who, who captured him because Heloise at that stage hadn't sworn the oath and, and got the ring, but uh, she's got the blood of the Phantom in her, and um, as far as I'm concerned, the Phantom as a concept, which is all what he trades off of, um, has defeated um, the Nomad in that instance. But I agree. I think there's there's more to come, and that's part of what excites me and why I've got I've, the other way around. I've got the Nomad higher than Chateau. Yeah. Awesome. So, Dan, you want to give us your top five? Right, so my top five, um, I, this might be a little bit left field um, in fifth spot. 
but I really love um, the Mountain Princes as a group. And we know that um, the Misty Mountains is part of Bengala and particularly through the Wilson-McCoy era, I would have to say, um, the Mountain Princes were a real thorn in the side of the Phantom. I love the concept that you've got all of these little principalities. And again, I, I know this is cheating because I'm lumping them all in together, but um, rather than pick one as a representative of them all, I just said a Mountain Prince. Um, I loved those stories where you've got these little principalities that are um, stuck in the 1800s or the 1500s or the 1200s or whatever you know era that that mad prince was um, a fan of. Um, I love the, um, the the idea of the fam going in and creating legends. Uh, lots of old jungle sayings came from interactions with the, the Misty Mountain Princes as well. I think they're just really fun stories because... Um, you know, you could go in, knock over a principality, turn him over to the commoners and, and set the, the, the place on the course of democracy and then go back to the deep woods, uh, rescuing Diana on the way because she's probably been caught up as the, the 50th wife of one of them or something. So uh, I, I know they're not villainous villainous in that sense, but um, I just think they're a fun um, character for the, for the fandom to be battling against. Do you have a favourite mountain prince? Oh, yeah, and I'm going to get the names all wrong, but the 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 one who took Diana as her fiftieth wife, the one where Phantom knocked the the top off the turret she was in, I think that's probably the same story. So I guess that would be my favourite one, um, without being able to draw the name to mind. Um, but even I even uh, there's so many opportunities for those stories today. Still, um, you yeah. can have some fun with it. But you could also take it seriously and treat him like a dictatorship if you liked too. So. Well, Shane Foley's done that with his Scorpius story at the end of the in one of the many pre-leagues and prologues and stuff like that. There's um, uh, Tagon, I believe, is one. Prince Orc is another who feature at the end of the story. So um, I think Shane Foley will probably be agreeing with you right at this stage. There you go. Uh, if I had to say my favourite would be um, uh, Samaras, who was one of the mountain princesses, yeah. and then Carlo the Cheap, who did the uh, air uh, the hijackers, who did okay. the airplane hijackers, um, and then he he would buy stuff because it was cheap. So, for instance, like he brought his wife because she was missing a couple of teeth or he brought a, a flawed diamond and stuff like that. It was just kind of, it was just, you know, it was just silly. But uh, And I, I guess that's part of why I've included them because, as I said, they're yeah. fun. And, and yeah. you can do anything with them um, as an yeah. author. You, whatever madcap idea for a, a tyrant or a bad guy, oh, let's make it a different principality in the Misty Mountains and you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, do you have a favourite uh, mountain prince or princess? No, I would. I have to admit, those kinds of stories are usually not my favorite phantoms. I uh, they kind of blend together for me. For uh, there, there is there's there isn't anyone that stands out except uh, Samaris, as you mentioned, which is a great story. But other than that, they kind of seemed like uh, I, I kind of feel like Falk was repeating himself sometimes when he he, he wrote those tales. But sorry to sorry, I'm sorry, Dan, but. No, no, you're absolutely right. They, they were such good stories. He, he kept going back to the well, mate. So, <laughs> yeah. 
really. No, but, and, I t- and, and I'm probably the same because I couldn't remember the specifics of one, but I just love them as a, they're memorable as a group of stories uh, that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fourth for me was General Babu. Um, as I said before, he was sort of the, I guess he was Lee Fawkes Labanga. He came about 15 years, 20 years before Labanga, started to appear in the 1970s and, and was quite nasty in the 80s in particular. Cy Barry stories, um, so, so really well drawn. Probably um, they were, I read them first um, and I really enjoyed them in, above Labanga. It was an example of someone... Well, I guess Labunga was just Babu on steroids in the end, wasn't he? Because he yeah. actually achieved everything that Babu set out to do. Um, and he, Babu probably came back um, one or two times too many in the end because they all start, started to come a little bit, okay, he's off sulking in another kingdom and now he's going to try and get the funds together to come back and whatever. So, mm. um, But as, a, as someone who was genuinely scary, and I guess part of that's the imagery that um, Cy Barry drew with all of the tanks and the, the weapons that he brought and the, the armoury that he was going to need to take over the government and, and uh, get rid of the Phantom. Um, he always... Um, he always struck struck fear into me as a, as a reader at the time so yeah uh number three is my the sing brotherhood um for me and this is i and i do i include dogai and sandal and rama and and kabai sing from the very first one all in this and so um in a sense they probably should be number one but i guess the difference between my three two and one is um I think the Singh brother had, has had a good run and my characters in two and one, I think I'd like to see more of a run. Um, so straight up, I guess I've got the Nomad in number two and the Vultures in number one, who I know you had in a 10th germ. Um, and when you were describing why you had the Vultures in 10, I thought, well, those are all of the reasons why I have them in number one. So uh, Singh Brotherhood, as I said, long history with the fan and lots of different characters. I love the idea of... Um, different phantoms battling different generations of Singh Brotherhood. So they've got the, that opportunity probably, well, they're, they're pirates. They go back all of the generations. They, they were the reason why the phantom was created. The Singh Brotherhood um, killed the father of the first phantom. So they, yeah, they probably really should be first when you, and, and every, a lot of people would have them as first, I guess. Not many people wouldn't have them in their top five or sprinkled through their top ten, as, as I know you guys have have done uh the nomad you've made an interesting point before germ about um them never actually meeting and facing off and i guess that's where the the payoff hopefully is coming um i talked before about writers playing a long game and we both we all know that tony de paul um can write an excellent long game and he's doing that well with the nomad at the moment i think um death of diana palmer was another one of his that um the sagas that was yeah absolutely gripping so um so I'm really looking forward to the, the and I'd like the way that the the nomad is an opponent that the phantom has to match wits with and resources and brawn, um, albeit through the nomad's minions so far regarding the brawn. Um, but he's a he's a triple threat, the nomad in that sense. Um, and then yeah, vultures are just vultures. You've said the word despicable a couple of times. They would be the most despicable villain that I can think of, you know, picking over, um, picking over war scenes and, and robbing the dead and the wounded and the, and not caring which side they're on, but just, um, you know, 
uh, sucking off both sides. I think the Vultures are the, the worst Venom villain of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, it's probably the reason why I didn't rate them as high was probably because they haven't appeared as many times as some of the others. And I think they're almost a, a lost... They're, they're almost a lost opportunity. Like there, there needs to be more of the vultures. And I was really excited at the end of the second part of the 22nd Phantom Saga when it was the vultures that were behind. Mm. So that, that, that got me really excited because it was like, yeah, you know, maybe finally we're going to see the vultures actually be, yeah. you know, a part where justified, you know, they're a great villain. And I think that um, Peter Anderson and uh, Wendell Cavacanti's story, um, Requiem, probably really emphasised that and probably leapt them to the top of the list for me because in that story they were particularly horrific. Yeah, yeah. Have you read that story, Paul? Uh, I'm trying to remember now, but I, if I have, it escapes my memory, so I can't really comment on it. <laughs> it was in the... Fan, I, I it was in the um, through annual war special from last year, I think. Oh yes, yes. Oh yes, the one from World War One. Uh, yes, yes. Of course, that was terrific. That was a great story. I remember. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Hmm. I think. Cool. Uh, I think the vultures are uh, uh, are great villains. I didn't. Uh, like I said, I uh, only thought about having individual characters on my list. Yeah. But I think, as a concept, they are really unique. In uh, I, I don't know any other type of villains who have that kind of. Uh, Preying on the poor and and uh, preying on war and famine and everything like that. Mm. Uh, but I also uh, one thing that none of you pointed out is kind of the absurdity of their uh, giant uh, V tattoos tattoos yeah. on their foreheads, which kind of makes uh, it it makes no sense, of course, because they are a secret organization who kind of <laughs> brand themselves like that. But I I I still love that whole gimmick because it is just such it looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess that's you're what right. It is. Secret organization, we got a face tattoo, basically. <laughs> yes, I, th I think that's what makes them so memorable. Is that is the V? Yeah, it's very striking. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it, it's it's yeah, it, it's um, yeah. For me, that that helps, and it helps with the point of difference, the the stuff. So yeah, it, it's a ludicrous idea, but I think in the world of comics, it works brilliantly. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, Steve's top five, I guess. Yeah. Oh, did you want me to read them in? Yep. All right. So Steve had his, his top five. Uh, General Babu, and uh, I'm not going to dwell on that because, oh, hang on. It's just appeared. Oh, so he, so Steve had as his as fifth. He also had the Mountain Princes, so we absolutely tied there, Steve. I'm sure he'd agree with everything I said before. General Babu in fourth, um, which is where I had him too, isn't it? Yep. No, Stephen Ryan on wavelength. The Butterfly Man in third. Yeah. That's interesting. Ooh. Butterfly Man. Yeah. Um, he's finished. Yeah, sorry, he's finished his top two with Sing Brotherhood and Vultures, who we've already talked about. But um, the Butterfly Man. I remember him. I remember him loving the story when we reviewed that story, what two years ago. Yeah. Um, he was a. He's. He's yeah, and he's made notes that he would like to like a prequel. I think yes, that's yeah. a 
um, I agree with him that I think we could quite easily, because we saw the end of the Butterfly Man, mm. we could quite easily see a prequel or a series of prequels kind of of the character becoming the Butterfly Man and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing that I like about all of our top 10 so far is there's the, there's that one or two characters that are kind of like, oh, yeah, he's a good villain or, mm. you know, um, which is kind of memorable. So, um, yeah, I like that one, Steve. Mm. Good choice. And, and should note, now that I'm actually reading the notes as well, that Steve does say that other than Vulture's in first place, which he's firm on, the rest are in no particular order. So, um, yeah, worth noting that as well. Oh, uh, We'll just pretend he did his job and uh, gave us the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, do you want to give us your uh, five to one? Yes, I'll be happy to. Uh, on number five, I have uh, Bale from the Mystery of the Golden Rune series, uh, a five-part story from... It was originally published in Norway and Sweden in 1989, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, he's this... Um, clearly supernatural character who uh, haunts different phantoms throughout the different centuries. And his ultimate goal is to, it's been many years since I read it now, but it's uh, it's a fantastic story. And his ultimate goal is basically to open the gates to hell, if I remember correctly, uh, yeah. which was, uh, it's, it's such a cool concept that uh, really stands out among, among other phantom villains. And in the end of his, uh, uh, in in the in the finale of his uh, his last story, you basically see him uh, as he perishes. He basically seems to turn into some kind of uh, demon or something. Which was, uh, I, I remember uh, reading it for the first time as like a ten year old. It was it just blew my mind right off. Uh, do you any have you do you have you read the story, both of you? Yes, yeah. it was. Recently published hmm. again by Free, maybe three years ago. All right, yeah, um, I believe I'm just going to quickly do a yeah, 2015, so five years ago, uh, one seven two six and onwards. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, so it was recently published again, um, five years ago. I'm not sure if that's recently, but um, yeah, so it. It's an enjoyable s- series. I, th- I think, and, you know, I, I won't speak for Dan, but I'm sure he will agree with me. Probably the supernatural element wasn't as enjoyable for us. Um, All right. Was, in saying that, he was a, he was a formidable um, villain. And he fought against multiple generations of the Phantom as well. Mm. Yes, and, and he... Uh... He, he is uh, he is a, he's the kind of character who would uh, I'm not sure if it would be possible to do kind of he, he's dead now in the comic but I would love to see him return in some way because uh, um, who knows maybe he uh, found a way of uh, uh, haunting other phantoms that we haven't seen yet. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm with Jim. I probably never entertained the idea of a supernatural villain in my in my top 10 or 20 or considerations at any time because it's just not um the supernatural stories are not 
ones that appeal to me at all. Um, and, and actually, interesting. it might be interesting, Paul, because I've speculated in the past on the podcast that it's probably a little bit to do with the culture of our countries. Like Australia, um, certainly white Australia, has only got um, a very secular culture going back 200 and something years, um, whereas your part of the world has got a, a, a history that goes back further than we can probably comprehend um, and, yeah. and uh, has a lot of mythological lore as part of that as well. So it might be something that, um, you know, Norway, Sweden, Scandinavia is more uh, accepting of, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But I, uh, I've also noticed that uh, in uh, modern media and other modern forms of entertainment, uh, uh, supernatural stories seem to be more popular than ever, basically. So I think uh, I think I think maybe the Phantom uh, comics of uh, from Simic and Egmont were a little before their time in, in many ways mm, because now yeah. you have uh, so many of the biggest TV shows and films today are uh, I mean before they used to be like uh, more thrillers and crime fiction used to be maybe the most popular but now you have stuff like Game of Thrones and uh, all that kind of stuff really taking over the world basically so I. Hmm. I think I think it might be, yeah, maybe maybe it's a bit of a cultural thing, but it seems to it seems to uh, conquer the world more and more, basically. Yeah, good point. And I also thought that uh, I I never had a problem with supernatural in in the Phantom. Uh, it always caught my imagination a great deal. Uh, as long as it's not overused, I'm always I'm I'm happy to see supernatural elements. Um, I all sometimes think that it makes the Phantom himself a little less special. Maybe uh, that there are uh, like uh, demons and vampires and werewolves in his uh, in his world uh, when he actually pretends to be a ghost. You, you could argue that it makes him a little a little less special. Maybe and he he's, he's kind of uh, he, he's tricking people into thinking he is supernatural. But if there are real uh, supernatural things going on in his universe, then uh, maybe maybe he uh, yeah may, maybe he's a little redundant. You could argue, but I I, I still I still love it, seeing those elements. And uh, I recently read the the Lee Falk story about the gladiator again. If you remember that one, yeah, uh, where he uh, I I don't think Falk ever uh, he. He always hints at the supernatural, but it, mm. it's always kind of vague if it's a dream or whatever. Yeah, uh, which is a, which is another way, good way of doing it, obviously. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's it's. I enjoy getting your your thoughts on it because we've speculated it a few times on the podcast, and I guess you know you're kind of representing the Scandinavian readers at this stage, Paul. Um, yeah. 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 So it's um. It's yeah. It's, it's interesting hearing your thoughts on it. Oh, that's good. Uh, should I go on with my list? Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. On number four, I had the. Uh, I mentioned the villain Manuel Ortega earlier, or I I didn't mention him by name, but he. I felt I had to include him because he's the one uh, villain who seems to kill me in the Moonstone comic I was in. <laughs> <laughs> So it would be uh, it would be a shame to not uh, honor him for uh, doing that. <laughs> uh, 
Well, basically, he was uh, he was created by Mike Bullock, who wrote the Moonstone stories for the last few years. They were doing the Phantom, uh, and he first appeared in uh, I think the story is called Tiger's Blood or something. Yeah, uh, where basically you see that he has uh, he has a good reason for hating the Phantom because he thinks mm. the Phantom caused the death death of his wife. Uh, that is not true, of course, but he, he has a very clear motivation for uh, for haunting the Phantom. Um, yeah. And he also, uh, like I said, I also love gimmicks, and he ends up having one of the coolest ones because his uh, his face gets burnt badly burnt in uh, his first first story. Uh, so it looks like uh, well, he, he basically paints his uh, disfigured face to look like a skull. Uh, mm. Which I thought was really cool, uh, and also he is—he uh, is one of the rare villains who is uh, a physical presence that can match the Phantom. Yeah. He actually loses fights to him, and he doesn't. Uh, one of you mentioned earlier that the Phantom maybe has a tendency to win over bad guys a little too easily. Sometimes he—it's usually one punch, and then then it's over. Uh, but with this guy, he uh, he certainly had tougher fights, and uh, it was it wasn't so clear every th- every time who uh, if, if he would actually win. Yeah, no, Manuel's a good um, a good op- a good just a good inclusion. I remember talking to Mike Bullock about him on our podcast yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, I think. You make a brilliant point where he blames the Phantom for the death of his wife or fiance or whatever, and it's 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 a good point where where you, where it's probably the first time I've actually ever read a story where someone is a villain of the Phantom because of a side effect or you know of what he has done. It reminds me of. Um, Oh, what was it? The Batman versus Superman movie where that dude died who was friends of Batman. So that's why he hated Superman and why they went to war against each other because of Superman's, um, what would you call it? Of the, you know, the reaction or the side effect of, of him battling, which is, so it's, um, I don't, uh, it's, it's a brilliant concept by Mike Bullock and uh, he's a very underrated uh, uh, writer. And I think, I think that's the first time we've probably seen a um, yeah a villain caused by a, a side effect of the um, of the Phantom, like a butterfly effect, a sliding doors moment, whatever you want to call it. So I, I like that choice. Mm. Yeah, me too. And it's it's interesting you mentioned the butterfly effect because uh, the Phantom's actions would really have repercussions if uh, we don't we don't really see them in the comic most of the time, but. Yeah. Of course, something. Of course, something like that would happen if he, uh, if you had like um, a vigilante running around doing the things he does. So, mm. I think it's a cool concept, mm. and it's yeah, also, it it's also a little less black and white maybe than that he because, I mean he he probably has he, he his reason for hating the Phantom is kind of justified, but yeah. of course it met his. Uh, uh, of course, he's a heartless killer, so his methods are really despicable. But you, you, you kind of understand him from a certain point. Yeah. So I'm going to proceed. Uh, at number three, I had Dogai Singh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you guys have said uh, a lot about him already, but 
one of the things I was going to point out is that he was, when he was first introduced in the Phantomen comics, he was, uh, uh, I think, for several years, maybe, if I remember correctly, he was more like a shadowy presence. You didn't even see his face until uh, several stories into his, uh, his creation. Uh, and then when you see him in his first story, which is uh, in Norwegian, it was called The White Rider uh, by Dai Darrell and Hans Lindahl, I think. Yeah. Uh, he is actually, that. well, that, that is actually his, uh, sorry, that's the first encounter he has with the Phantom uh, face-to-face. It's not his first story, but the f- first time they actually meet. Uh, and in that story, he is uh, he's terrifying because he, he is like, uh, there's nothing supernatural about him, but he's almost like some kind of demon who just takes the Phantom completely by surprise. Uh, yeah. And and is also, interestingly, interestingly enough, he's also shown being uh, physically able to take on the Phantom in that story. Yeah. They never really followed up on that in later stories, but in, in that one, the Phantom nearly gets killed by him. Uh, and is, if I remember correctly, he's... Um, He's basically saved at the last minute by some chance accident or something. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think he was ever scarier than he was in that story. But in, in later tales, he became kind of more like uh, this cunning, scheming villain who uh, I, I don't think he never, I don't think he ever fought the Phantom again in that way. I don't remember. Hmm. I think, I, I think you might be right. Cause when I think of Daga Singh, that's what I remember as well. I remember that type of villain the, I remember him yeah. being a scheming one, but I also remember him being the physical presence who almost yeah. defeated the Phantom, who caused the Phantom lots of troubles. And then it was kind of in the last five, ten years, he almost becomes a joke. Um, yeah. So, mm. yeah. And I, the first story I ever read of Diagai Singh was the, I think it was The Curse of the Singh Brotherhood. It was issue one one two eight or or something like that, where he faked his death to um, to expose some traitors, and he just killed him on the spot when he found out who it was, and and he was very he was he was a really he was a villain, and it was kind of like oh oh my gosh who's this you know it was the first time I ever met him, and then yeah and then. The last five years, he just becomes a joke, and so I liked I like him, you know, for the first twenty years we saw of him. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, but I also think that uh, because he was dead for like I don't remember how many years, but then they re- resurrected him, and I think they managed to find some new use for him. Uh, basically, he was him being resurrected led to some really exciting stories, like. Uh, like the one you mentioned earlier about his origins, uh, his uh, him growing up into becoming the villain that he is, uh, and also the uh, ongoing uh, saga about the Phantom's possible uh, extra son, um, where he plays an, a pretty important part, of course. So I'm yeah. I'm glad I brought him back. I usually I prefer villains to stay dead, but uh, with both uh, Dogai and Lubanga, I think they have managed to. Uh, yeah, they, they made good use of them even after having them return. So if, if, it's, mm. if it works creatively, it's okay with me. Interesting point. I must admit, I didn't like the stories when Lubanga came back from the, from the death. 
and he's come back oh, to us from the death. Um, I personally, I didn't mind the 22nd Phantom story, but the other one, I think it was, it was actually where he rescued Luaga's son. Um, he helped save Luaga's son, which was Lon. I didn't like those stories. I probably prefer him just to stay dead. All right. Yeah. I think uh, I think with Le- well, I can talk more about Lubanga later because uh, he is on my list. So I'll go to I'll go to number two first uh, because I have General Bababu on uh, uh, second place. Uh, like you guys pointed out, he kind of uh, I'm not sure if you said it, but uh, he as as folk kept overusing him, you could argue he became kind of a joke. Uh, but in his first appearance in the story called, uh, if I remember correctly, The Mysterious Ambassador, mm. he is uh, he is such a great threat, not just to the Phantom, but to uh, to all of Bengala, basically. Uh, he he manages to take control of the country for a while and uh, feels... Uh, he feels so. He feels much more real for some reason in that story than he became later on. Hmm. It, it, it turned maybe. I think Falk maybe turned him into more of a comical figure uh, as yeah. the years went by. But in that first one, he is. Um, he's, he's quite a scary presence, I think. Hmm. Uh, I think and that, also um, have. The, yes. Sorry. So I, I think that with with uh, Babo uh, when he first came out. And and probably similar to the Nomad now, like the authors are writing to the times, and they they are the the global threats that people are scared of at the time. So um, dictators taking over other countries, and you know what was going on, I guess in Lebanon and Northern Africa and across the world. Um, yeah. At that time in the seventies and eighties when he was being created, um, that was the the generally generally genuinely scary thing. The nomad leading an international cell of terrorists, um, you know, in in the 2010s. That's, you know, they're, they're real life stories. So a lot of these villains have got their their context as well the, yeah. the, in the time that they've been created. That's a great point. I didn't, I haven't thought about that really, but uh, I think Bababu has been uh, he's been kind of irrelevant for many years now. But they managed to find. Uh, pretty good use for him again. And the uh, you mentioned, you guys mentioned the stories about the twenty second Phantoms, uh, where he takes over uh, most of Mavitan in uh, mm. or Morris Town in, uh, and he's he's basically he becomes more like some kind of mafia guy in in, in those tales. So well, I think I mean, that is one thing I do like about the twenty second Phantom stories is that um, in this, it's something that I. I don't mind about the premise is that all of these competing factions who have been competing for many years have all got a toehold. Um, and now we're watching um, mm. the battle between all of these gangs and, and he is, he's been reduced to a gang member or a gang leader. Um, they're all trying to establish um, dominance in, in that um, the chaos that, that is yeah. in the future. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. And I, one thing I was also going to mention about him is that in, in the Mysterious Ambassador story, which was, uh, Falk also wrote a really terrific novel based on it uh, that I, if you haven't read it, I recommend it because it's, I think it's the best of the able novels that I have read. Uh, but there is this, uh, there's this really terrific scene in it that where the Phantom 
especially in the book, it's almost like a horror film kind of thing because the Phantom takes Bababu on a ride through the jungle, uh, and it's it's such a scary sequence where, where he just uh, he he terrifies Bababu, and it all culminates in the Skull Cave where um, uh, Bababu actually has to. Uh, fight Luaga physically, and it's uh, it's just such a great story. I I find myself reading it again and again, and he, his inclusion on the list is mostly based on on this story alone. Yeah, uh, not what not what he became later on. But there yeah. was also, um, uh, I was also going to mention that he appeared in the uh, 1995, I believe, Marvel miniseries uh, about the 22nd Phantom. Uh, yeah. Which I actually think is the best use of the character after that original story, because he is, uh, for one, he is shown uh, killing the twenty-first Phantom, uh, which was uh, the story. That story was reprinted in Norway in like uh, year two thousand when I had read the Phantom for one year, so that was that made a huge impression on me. I remember, uh, and and well, he's he, he's it's a very underrated story where he is. Uh, he is quite an opponent for the Phantom. Isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Now, I didn't include Babubu in my top 10. I haven't included him in my top 15. Now, yeah. for me, when I think of him, I can't think of him just as the mysterious ambassador story where you're right. That story alone, he would be in the top five of mine. Yeah. But... When I think of Babubu, I think of all the crappy stories afterwards where he's nothing but a joke, where yeah. he's a bumbling idiot, he bumbles around, he, he couldn't organise, uh, you know, what, what's the saying? He couldn't organise a... Um, what is the know, saying, Jim? Oh, uh, well, what is it like when you can't <laughs> organise something and there's heaps of around or, or something like that? Um, <laughs> I can't think of the saying at the moment, but he's he's useless. He's absolutely useless in all of the other stories that Lee Fork created with him. And so because of those useless stories, I can't have him in my top 15. Yeah, right. I think that's a good point. And I, I always wondered why, why Fork did that to the character because uh, he might as well have, in most of those stories, he might as well have just introduced new characters to, yeah. to take this, I, that kind I of part. I think it was just um, it probably was a bit going to the well at that point um, because it was, you know, it was in the last 15, 20 years of writing stories and, um, you know, there's, there's people who would argue that he was tapped out altogether by then and, and not much good came of the last 15 years, certainly. Um, yeah. yeah. They, they, they certainly weren't his glory days in terms of writing. No, I, I, I get that. Uh, I still enjoy most of those stories, by the way. But, uh, yes, but I agree with you. Yeah. So who's your number uh, one? Yeah, well, not surprisingly, I uh, I think my top three is the same as it was back in uh, when I wrote the original article because uh, my number one is still uh, Kigali Lubanga. Uh, we have, you have already discussed him really well uh, earlier here, but uh, I... I didn't actually, I was, what I was going to say about him was that I didn't actually read those stories uh, until I had been a fan for, I had been a fan for many years. I didn't manage to collect all of the Lubanga saga until I think like uh, the mid 2000s or something because I had to get them by back issues and going to uh, antiquaries and stuff. Uh, 
So it, I didn't read I didn't read a, the entire saga of his presidency uh, until quite late. But being able to read them all uh, chronologically and without having to wait uh, weeks and months between the issues, it was. Uh, I think that must have been the optimal way of, of reading that saga because it's. Uh, I think it's a high point in the character's history, uh, and uh, it really shows you how. Um, how he struggles to keep uh, keep well keep facing Lubanga. Hmm. Uh, he 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 loses again and again and against him. Uh, like you pointed out, he he loses his uh, well one of his best friends because of Lubanga, uh, at least temporarily. And it was a really dark period for uh, for the entire country of Bengala that uh, it was. It's uh, it's it, it's uh, it's exciting to keep returning to the those stories because it was uh, everything seemed up in the air in that era anything could happen and uh, old um, old connections that the Phantom had were, were suddenly not available for him so yeah. he kind of had to rely more on himself mm. and all of that was because of Lubanga's uh, work yeah. uh, and also he I. I remember uh, none of you pointed out his introduction in, in his first story, but that is such an amazing sequence because you see him, uh, it's almost uh, like reading a movie basically because you see him sitting in the, the jungle somewhere or uh, at least out in nature and he has a witch doctor mask on and, and he like turns to the camera almost uh, yeah. and looks, looks directly on the reader and uh, that was... Uh, that was both mm. unique and and and, and uh, scary and, and kind of uh, kind of showed you showed you right up that this was uh, this was something else. This was a new kind of villain. Yeah, I actually um, reread those the election in Bengala part one and part two today. Um, oh, uh, in pre- in in uh, preparation for t- uh, the podcast, and you're right. Uh, it's kind of had it had like the I had two subplots going at the same time and they were running parallel, uh, you know, downwards like that. And it ran over two or three pages and it was lots of black. So you had like a radio, a TV presenter talking about what was happening at the election. And then you had Lubanga, you know, um, getting back on the witch, witch doctor mountain and causing fear in the jungle. And you're right. It was, uh, it was like a real preference, uh, you know, you read it and it's like, wow, you know the Phantom's in trouble for that. Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting looking back at the top tens. You and I both had Labunga at number one. And yeah. Stephen and Dan both had the Vultures at number one. Um, That's two camps, basically. Yeah. Um, I think everyone had Labunga in their top ten. Um, everyone except you had the vultures in their top 10. Yeah. Um, and then I think we all had tattoo in our top 10 as well. No, Dan didn't. Yes, I did. Oh, no, sorry, Stephen didn't. So Stephen didn't have, uh, tattoo. Uh, he had the nomad in. So, um, yeah, so there's a couple of similar, there's a fair few similarities, but, 
to be honest, there's not that many similarities between the... Um, between we, have, we have managed to discuss about 30 to 35 villains in our yeah. respective top 10 discussions, I think, which is, which is really cool. And, I, and for me, one of the big takeaways is probably something that Paul said earlier about, um, you know, the, the phantom villains having a, a natural shelf life. And for some, that might only be one or two stories. Some, that might be a dozen. But um, uh, I think we can agree that in terms of creating a rogues gallery of the phantom, you wouldn't want... Um, the same one or two characters to be appearing yeah. in every second and third story because it would get tired. Makes you yeah. wonder how Batman and Joker managed to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I actually listened to the podcast that, uh, well, you, you referred to it earlier with uh, uh, that brilliant Australian artist uh, who uh, was a Grange Wallace or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he basically, I think one of his theories about the Phantoms uh, well, not being as successful as you know Batman or whatever, was that there there isn't as much of a recurring gallery of villains. But I think, uh, for my personal preference, I think that would, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I never tire of the Phantom because there's uh, mm. all the stories are the Phantom is so many things because he appears through any time period and 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 he always I think the fact that he always faces uh, most of the time faces new people. Uh, it it yeah. just keeps it fresh for for me as a reader. Uh, it's it almost uh, believable. Yeah, it is. Hmm. So I think uh, I think the Phantom is much more effective uh, than Batman because he uh, he he, <laughs> he usually wins uh, in the end. Batman mm -hmm. always. Uh, yeah, and they can stay in jail. Mm. And and that's why we don't need to reboot the character and all the rest of it all the time because oftentimes with the. It, with your Supermans and your Batmans and all the rest of them, the holes are, they, they write themselves into such a corner that they go, right, let's throw it all out and start again, um, which which the Phantom never has had to do. That's a great yeah. point. And I think I only, uh, I, that's a great point because uh, uh, you can you can keep, uh, you can just keep going. I haven't thought about it in, in that way. But mm. what I was going to say about the, uh, uh, I think Wallace, he he's he thought the Phantom would have been more successful if he had more like a rogues gallery, uh, and I think there might be some truth to that because it's much easier to you know make toys and uh, yeah. stuff like that and get. I think I think Batman is probably so popular because he has uh, well, pe people know the villains as well as the hero, uh, yeah. and you know there was a Joker film last year that was really successful i think and uh so so you kind of get more of uh it's it's probably easier to to uh, get into the eye of the public that yeah. way but, but for yeah. me as a reader I'm, I'm glad it is the way it is i think we would all buy a vulture's bubblehead doll wouldn't we just <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would definitely mm. i think uh i think with um if if the if there was if there was one villain I would have wanted to see more of it would have been uh, I well I I'm very interested to know what happens with the Nomad uh, but mm. I I think like you like we've been in, uh, touching on I think he's he's kind of nearing his uh, his lifespan too now I think uh, mm. the last story he appeared in was so fantastic too that it I mean it will be hard to top so I I kind of Good hope point. we see the end of him soon yeah yeah. And I think that's where 
his wife and his daughter kind of make it a little bit interesting is that their story, so the nomad story might have finished or he might have finished as a, as a, but I don't think the wife or, or the daughter have yet. So, and while they hang on, there's every chance he'll come back too. And it's not yeah. unrealistic. And I probably isn't pushing it too far to have him break out of jail once. Like I don't, obviously um, you, we've said about Babu uh, did that a number of times. Uh, Python has gone to jail. He's back in uh, Wambizi prison now. So um, yeah. probably he's not beyond the realms to have him break out of prison once to, to get back yeah. involved an ultimate battle. Yeah, once once is fine. Twenty times like the yeah. Joker. Um it's probably a bit too much. Stretching in the friendship, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in looking at your original top ten Paul, you had five yeah. that made it in your twenty twenty list and five that yeah. didn't. So the five that didn't was Rolf Mars, Baron yeah. Grover, Rana Singh, Sala, and the poor old Marshall sisters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like I, like I said, I think uh, I must have included the Marshall sisters as some kind of joke. But I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I really like those stories. And you also mentioned uh, Ralph Mars, which was uh, a character from the uh, Marvel miniseries that I mentioned. Yeah. And he, uh, I, I always thought it was a really cool character who was. Uh, as a kid, at least, he made a huge impression on me because he uh, he nearly beats the Phantom Two in a physical fight. Yeah, uh, but he was kind of made redundant when I included uh, Manuel Ortega, who is uh, has some of the same and and also the Python because they have some of the same qualities, but much yeah. more personality and 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 are, are more detailed. In they have been uh, portrayed more detailed, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and then, yeah, so it's interesting, but, uh, Baron Grover, Rama, Rama Singh, those two were in my top 10. So, so you're an influential yeah. writer, Paul, because, uh, your list got them into Germ's top 10. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I have finally managed, managed something in my life then. <laughs> oh, I just, if anything, I love listening to your top 10 and, I guess seeing what changes are thirteen years down the track. Um, yeah, I, you know, I hate I hate to think you know that uh, that there will be a podcast that we'll do, and um, thirteen years down the track and see what's changed from uh, what we've said back in issue ten or or podcast ten or something like that. So um, yeah. yeah, just to do some maths, then Paul, you said earlier you were thirty-one. This is thirteen years yeah. ago. So you wrote this as an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, I must have done. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, that was probably the uh, uh, was probably the peak of my phantom obsession in those years. I'm, I'm still I still love the character dearly, but uh, uh, I'm married with kids now, and I don't have anywhere near the time that I used to spend on it. But uh, I mean, talking uh, talking to you guys certainly reminds. I mean, uh, wow, what an what an experience actually getting to talk to people uh, live about the phantom. That's uh, completely new to me <laughs> well, well let, let, let's treat this as a shout out to any of our 18 year old listeners that if you'd like to get involved um and send us in articles and whatever we'd be more than happy to uh to publish <laughs> that's an interesting challenge <laughs> definitely so 
Uh, myself and Dan, we had an overflow list. So uh, I think it would be amiss if we didn't at least mention them quickly. Um, and then we'll probably wrap up the podcast. Um, this has gone on for almost two hours now. Um, so outside my top 10, I had Hydra. Uh, and then I had a couple that probably did, two that didn't make it into anyone's list. Uh, Chandra Skyhelm, who was actually the guy that killed the 14th Phantom. Um, He's got a universe card about him, number 10. Yes, he does. He does have a universe card. Controversially so. has a universe card about him, oh, but no, yeah. I guess you like him. Yeah, well, that's it. So I'm glad we got a universe card about him. Um, I, I really enjoyed that story. And it was because of his death, or because of him killing the 14th Phantom, that we got the unknown commander. And I th- so it kind of makes sense why he would be in my why he would be a top villain. Another one is um, I chose the ones with the worst names. Uh Chuck Gunn. Uh spelled C H apostrophe G A A N. Now he was also battled the 14th Phantom and he's also appeared in the twenty uh the 22nd Phantom series as well. Um, now he was a witch doctor and I know, uh, I think it was you, Dan, that had the witch doctors. Steve had witch doctors, but yeah. Uh, so him and Hoogan were probably my favourite witch doctors. Um, so they come in at 13th and 14th. And then 15th was the Golden Circle. Um, but yeah, I had to make mention of people that kind of, and I, I made mention of it at the start of the episode, of people that killed the Phantom or really, really pushed the Phantom featured fairly highly in my list. Hmm. Well, my two, um, my two that were honourable mentions, I guess, and I've got, you know, they're listed as 11 and 12. They're just, they're fun villains that I remember, they're memorable stories. So Gen, uh, General Tara from, um, he was from the Tyrant of Tarakimo stories. Um, he featured in a couple um, when Diana was uh, going into the United Nations and she was going into Tarakimo to investigate war crimes and dictatorships and whatever. Um, I just remember those stories as being fun. They were some of the, the earlier ones that I read. Um, for the most part, Diana probably beats up on General Tara more than the others and uh, more than the Phantom does. And he's absolutely a buffoon, a sexist, racist buffoon um, who has shown up for what he is. And so... Um, they were. Ju- it was just a fun, influential story for me when I was young. I enjoyed him. And the other one was Trader Joe that uh, I guess very much a foot in both camps because mod- in the modern stories, he's uh, very much a good guy. Um, but I guess, uh, and, and he would be as a character regarded as a, a friend of the Phantom. But when he first appeared in, uh, I think it might have even been Ray Moore, certainly Wilson McCoy, um, he was a rogue. He... Um, impersonated the Phantom at one stage, stole the Phantom's costume, um, you know, and then even I seem to recall one of the um, more recently published old Semic stories, Trader Joe um, was, uh, when they were talking about the politics of it, he was helping to um, skyrocket prices through his through his store um, and um, gouge the natives' um, uh, you know, financially. So anyway, I think I think there's a lot of potential to a character like that. So they were just ones that came to mind as I was putting my list together as so uh, fun ones. 
do you see Trader Joe as the bad guy and the good guy as the one character or as two different characters? Oh, I think you probably have to see them as two different characters, really, because you couldn't possibly um, couldn't couldn't possibly conflate the two in together. Um, so, but they just happen to have the same name, which is uh, just one of the many um, quirks that Lee Fork bestowed upon <laughs> us as, as fans. Now, yeah, definitely. So, no, um, guys, I really enjoyed that exercise. Um, uh, have any of you got any points or questions or or things you want to uh, raise before we uh, sign off? Paul? Uh, well, only that only that this was really fun to do. And uh, I, uh, it really takes... Uh, some of my choices are based on stories that I... Many of them I haven't reread in years, but they... Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of the I picked the villains who made huge impressions initially, and I haven't necessarily returned to do any research for my choices. So uh, it it was the ones that stood out initially. I uh, I ended up going with for the most case. Mm. Mm. Me too. And and I guess as a closer, I would say I think we've um, if anything we've come up with a really good premise for a feature article about uh, the fandom and the villains through the, of the fandom and shelf life and rogues gallery ideas and that sort of thing. So um, if only I ever had the time to sit down and write it, I think I'd probably enjoy that. But uh, if someone else is inspired by this podcast and would like to, uh, and if you're 18 year old and you've got no wife and no family um, and would like to spend some time writing a feature article on uh, the Phantom and the villains, um, I'd love to, to read it. <laughs> Yeah, what I would what I would love to be able to do, and I'll have to figure out a, a way of doing it, is combining the four of our top tens and coming up with like an equation or something, and coming up with kind of like a a chronicle chamber top ten list based on our on on you know the thirty forty names that we've come up with. So I might have to do it. Is you know. What number one is worth ten points, or you know, and kind of work that way, or something. Well, you'll have to get Steve to his in an actual order, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Steve will actually have to do his work. Um, <laughs> a huge shout out to Stephen. Um, uh, yeah, no. So I think it might be interesting trying to combine them and coming up with a, a, a list based on our our four four of our top tens, but um. Paul, I really enjoy uh, chatting with you, um, uh, catching up with you, and then getting you on this podcast. We've talked about it for a Thank while. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's been really great um, uh, getting you on board. So, you know, a huge a huge shout, uh, thank you for joining us yeah. tonight. Thank you for having me. Here, here, Paul. It's been an absolute treat. Thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. thank you. It's been very nice. <laughs> awesome so um yeah we look forward to your next article so we can talk about it in another 13 years time <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see if i find the time i uh yeah that's a challenge maybe a challenge possibly accepted so. yeah yeah now do you have one or two kids you got the one i have two i have two daughters uh two and five years old so it's uh it's a, it's a busy time for me yeah but, uh, same age as mine, basically. So yeah, nah. Yeah, I remember that. But you know the drill that uh, when, whenever I enter my skull cave, as I call it, I, uh, it, it's not as often as I would like, but it's, uh, 
uh, when, when you when you have to prioritize your time so much, it just becomes uh, it's like uh, it's like a holy experience almost. You just <laughs> to sit down here and uh, <laughs> and soak in the uh, Phantom comics. It's, uh, it's just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes you get so busy that my kids are actually the ones that spend more time in it than me. Um, <laughs> I come in there and they pull comics out and reading them, and I'm just like, oh, well, there could be worse things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, a huge shout out to everyone who listened to us. We hope you um, enjoyed tonight's uh, podcast. Now, if you are on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, this uh, we will have on the article, which will have this YouTube video. We'll have each of our individual four lists top 10 and it will if I get time it will have our combined top 10 uh, on social media we would love to be able to know what your top 10 is or if you agree or disagree with some of the points that we've made uh, if you prefer to email us you can do that by chroniclechamber at gmail.com and of course you can find this on chroniclechamber.com which is our website now, if you listen to us via iTunes or Spotify or via other apps like Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes, or if you watch us on YouTube, please subscribe to us. Please give us a thumbs up or subscribe or give us a review or a five-star rating, however they do it. Uh, that just helps other Phantom fans be able to find us, um, which is, you know, and, you know, helps keep... Um, us near the top for when people search fandom so greatly appreciated um, thank you listeners uh, thank you uh, Dan Paul and uh, Stephen who was unable to join us um, for myself happy fandoming guys happy fandoming happy fandoming 500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the phantom enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom